to concentration one. What is concentration? This is the dictionary definition. This we can start from there. But it gives us a lot of insight. It is this sanctification of something by setting it apart, usually with religious rites as dedicated to God. You know, the people in the world will speak in their terms. They will not speak with respect to the scriptures. Many people will say there are different kinds of God. We know that there is only one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ. So sanctification is, is the setting apart of something by religious rites. Religious rites is, is talking about activities, religious disciplines unto God. So if we say it is the sanctification of something, so what is sanctification? They are the same thing, basically, but sanctification means to make holy, to make sinful, to make close to the like the nature of God. What is it? It is the way to get an unuseful vessel into a, use, into a useful state or service. Until a vessel is consecrated, no matter how special it is, it will not be used. Let me give an example. Doctors, they operate people. There's what they call gods. How many of us, anyway, we should know gods cutting wood. I know a little bit about this. I've seen it a bit more because my childhood was around a lot of medical activities. So you see, there are containers where they put these instruments, whether the one they used to cut people, whether the ones they used to stitch the needles, the, the uh, what do you call it, the faucets, what they used to pick things from inside the body or hold this intestine and keep it here and keep it aside so that they can separate what they want. All those things are put into a container. They call them trays sometimes, some trays, some have cover, and they lock them. When they lock these trees, some of them are like cooler. Some trees are small. Some of the sterilization kits are like coolers. They put all these instruments inside. The instruments have holes. Sorry, the, the coolers have holes. Then they put it inside the sterilizer. The sterilizer is a mighty, it depends on the size, but it's like a big water heater that boils and produces steam, not water, it doesn't boil it, it boils to produce steam. And they keep it there at a certain temperature and pressure. When it is time 
with the sterilization, I think they keep for up to five minutes. After it has sterilized all this equipment, then it will go off, then they will allow the steam to Then the doctors can now pick the instrument and take it into a spiral environment, which is the theater. The theater, oh, any cleaner that does not clean a doctor's theater will be in action. They clean it very, the doctors, when they come, even the sleepers, you can't wear your shoe into the theater. You must remove your shoe at the top and wear the shoe for the theater. In proper hospitals, what do they do? You have to scrub yourself, even though you have the knowledge to deliver, to remove the appendicitis from that person at the top. Even if you have the understanding to perform that eye surgery and that neurosurgery, surgery, even if you have been casting. You must do what you must pass through this, the, the scrubbing room. In that room, you scrub yourself. It's a concentration room. The knowledge is not enough. You can't say, Do you know who I am? And then cast. You see, without me, this operation cannot hold. That's not God's business. Anyway, that's not the doctor's business. You scrub, and if you have a, an elderly matron, then God help you as a doctor. They will ensure that you scrub well. When you scrub, then you wear a styral gown, enter a styral environment, use styral equipment to do what? To operate on even a very dirty person. Why? Because the gut of a human being, the inside of a human being can be quite dirty. But it is also quite styral. The blood aspect must not be contaminated. Blood does not mix with the, the, the certain things in the intestine. The bacteria in the intestine must not come out. They need all this equipment to separate and do these things. So if common man needs to sterilize his equipment before he operates on man, how much more God sterilizing his equipment before he operates on man? or before he allows man enter into his presence. Amen. So it is the process, is the way to get an unuseful vessel into a useful state of service. It is God's way of recalibrating the spiritual equipment that is malfunction. A lot of times you can go to engineers have equipment. And they use this equipment several times, but there's what you call error of parallax and all kinds of error. There is yielding. There are some components that yield, and as a result of their yielding, that means they become slack. They cannot, they cannot bring forth the accurate measurements, the accurate uh, you know, quantities that they are expected to bring out. When this happens, sometimes they do it after like three, four months. They go and they recalibrate it. Some of them, they tighten a screw. Some, they remove a spring and put a new spring. Others, they wash the inside. For example, is your generator. Your generator, you change the engine oil from time to time. Once it gets black, you're Why? Why do you do all this? 
Why do you take your car for service? Why do you flush the, the automatic transmission oil? Why do you, why do you, or what do you call it? Um, remove your brake pads and put new on. It is because it has become, it is becoming, is starting to malfunction. It may not have malfunction fully. It may still seem as if it is operating well. But due to your understanding, you know that if you continue this way, this thing will cause a disaster. This is the same thing with concentration. Concentration is God's way of recalibrating the spiritual equipment that is malfunctioning or is about to malfunction. Not because the equipment wants to malfunction, but because the, the equipment is operating in, a, in an environment that is not good. So it comes in contact with all kinds of death. Jesus said, when he told them, let me wash you, and Peter said, I am clean. Peter said, you are all clean except your feet. He said, we are washed now, but he said, no, only your feet needs to be washed. Only your feet needs to be washed. Right? Because they are feet was what they used to move around the world. It had gathered dust, it had done several things. You see, you are all clean except the son of perdition. You are all clean except one of you. And Jesus was not talking about physical cleanliness. But he was using physical cleaning to represent the spiritual ordinance of bringing them into, into him. He says, except I wash you, you have no part with me. Except I wash you. They have been clean head to, to their ankles, just their feet. He didn't say their leg, their feet. They were about to malfunction, or they were malfunctioning, whichever way they Consecration is God's filtering system of today. You see, God wants to use everybody that will present themselves. But the filter is concentration. The reason why a lot of people are, is God does not hate them. If he sent his son to die for them, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, you see, he spared not his own son, but delivered him all for us. How shall he not with him really give us all? So is he now service in his presence that God will not give you? Because he does not like your face. If he did not like your face, you would not have liked it before he died. You would have said, you see, Jesus, when you go to the earth, die for this one, this one, and that one. See those ones from that part of the country who, who died for them. But he didn't do that. He died for so God is not he is not segregating against you but he has put a filtering system and that filtering system is one where you have to pass through the, the space of the mesh of the filter and he tells everybody 
do you want to go higher? See the mesh climb through and say, ah, climb through. Can't you see how big I am? Because you be like, Abraham was bigger than this now, but he passed through. That's why Jesus said, except you pass. He says, for a, it is easier for a, a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He was not speaking a proverb deal. The eye of a needle is a particular dog in, in the Jewish um, palace. You know, they used to have gates to enter their town. But they also had smaller doors, kind of, that people could pass when they don't open the big gate and maybe they just won't allow people to pass. I'm not talking about the main gate into the city. Okay, about maybe the gate into the temple region. So camels are very tall. For them to pass through that door, they have to bend down and crawl literally and pass through on their knees through that door, which is like the eye of the needle for that camel. So Jesus didn't say it's impossible. He says easier. The mesh of consecration is what keeps many people out of God's presence. The mesh of consecration. When I mean mesh, you know sieve. The sieve you use for sieving sand is different from the sieve you use for sieving um, corn or sieving pack. The smoother you want your pack to be, the smaller the mesh must be. So some of you are saying, God, I want you to bake me into bread. Find bread that you can put before your altar. And God is saying, can you pass through this sea? Can you pass through this sea? What is consecration? Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. Consecration is the, this is the difference between calling and being chosen. Amen? It is the, is the space, is the process. Some of you that don't get this. You know, they will say, sodium plus chloride, and they put arrow equal to NaCl. Or reversible, uh, what they call it, sodium ion plus chlorine ion, reversible, forward, backward, whatever, whatever. Concentration is that process that moves you from being a radical or an ion to being a compound in the kingdom. From being ineffective sodium ion. To be relevant compound in the hands of God. He said, God, I have sodium, I have chlorine. I think I need to step down from all this my scientific terminologies. <laughs> God help. until you may have certain components 
inside you, but until those components join together through the process of concentration, you cannot do what God wants you to do. Concentration, obedience, concentration, and faithfulness go hand in hand. Calling calls for obedience. Abraham, go, come, depart, and go into the land that I have ordained for you. It's obedience. That's what God is looking for. When you're talking about many accounts you are choosing, how do people get there? Calling calls for obedience. God calls so many people. He has called many people to be saints and they refuse to He has called many people into Five-fold ministry, they refuse this call. God was helping me to understand during the week that, you see, you see, if you know how many people I have called into the kind of assignment I've called you to, that I've refused to do. I'm not saying this for myself, he was telling me general information, so that I will not, I myself, I will understand us and maintain my own path. You see, it's not, don't think that as many people that you see operating are the ones that uh, are the ones I called. I called much more than that. Some of them refuse to go through. Much more than that, they refuse. Some started, they stopped. What I did. So when you see, I think there was one that was even as much as one to ten. But there are different levels it was telling me. Let's do. We are now dealing with experiences. We are dealing with scripture. Answering calls for consecration. When you obey, the next thing that is called for is what consecration. You go and check it. How did you see God call somebody, and the next thing after the person answers? There is nothing that causes him to concentrate in one way or another. It's not scripture. When you answer God's call, there is a level of concentration that follows. There's a level of concentration that follows. Concentration forces action. Anybody that truly concentrates himself or answers the first level of concentration will be forced to an action. Do you know why? It's become a target. When you start to get concentrated, you start to separate yourself. When you refuse, you say, oh, I'm not going to have premarital sex till I get married. Then people target you and say, see this one, idiot. You are the only one that you are the first to be born again. Your body is gold. I beg, leave this place. We, all of us like this, we now don't have sense. You are the one that is smart amongst us. You become marked. So, concentration forces you to take an action. You either stand or you back down. Once you get concentrated, you cannot stay behind the lines. You can't hide anywhere again. 
You either go forward into consecration or you go backward into disobedience and then backsliding. The more you get consecrated, the more marked you become. So, oh God, call me, God, do this. He will call you, don't worry. He will give you one thing to do or the other. But when he does, he's going to give you something to do to show that you are serious. Which employer? Most people, when they are employed, they give them provision for you. Some of them, they didn't employ them fully. I had a, a job offer that was given. And for two years, I was meant to be trained. And they'll be paying me stipend, flying me up and down, flying me from Lagos to my school. They'll be giving me food, dress me. But I'm still not a staff. If I fail and go beyond, below 80, that's all, folks. Like, um, that's all, folks. If I, if I spend one and a half years there, that's all. If I fail the first time, they will give me the opportunity to write it the second time. If I fail the second time, this, I've not written the final example. It's even the final example that you have that level. As a student, you go below it. That's it. But I was two years, two years, two years of my life. I didn't take the offer to come around. I'm just giving an explanation. 20 other people took it. And a lot of them skilled. So in first is action. You can't stay and just say, so that's why I said it's a call to continuous, continuous death. Because when you conquer, or the Holy Spirit helps you to conquer one point, you move to the next level. You may be saying, please press silence. Press silence our phone. Press silence our phone, please. Now, when you are marked and concentrated or you started your concentration the next thing is faithfulness faithfulness is needed to please god and obtain the reward faithfulness is now what you keep on working in you are faithful in the obedience that god the obedience is not removed the consecration is not removed the faithfulness is added to this thing this truth you must be faithful to do what God says, faithful to come to maintain the consecration. Then, and to finish the work, then you can obtain the reward. And faithfulness has nothing to do with duration. When I mean it has nothing to do with duration, God does not tell you the duration you have. He may, he may, in some sense, give you an idea of the duration of a face. He may. This is how long I want this thing to, to last if you do what you are supposed to do. If you don't do, you don't know how long it is. You may not, the person may never finish. 
I never think that uh, you can uh, you can tie God down. But if your consecration fails, God can do it another person. God cannot do another thing. I believe you know that. A quick example of this calling. Um, consecration and faithfulness. I'm just giving us a perspective of how consecration plays a part in being a useful vessel unto God. Judges 6, 14 to 16. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Is this not a big thing to say? You, you save Israel from the Midianites. I sent thee. It's a call. And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, thank God give you an accent. O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He declared his status. I can't find, I can't finance a war. I am not even influential. How am I going to call and people will listen to me? When they are listening to people, it's not my time. Not even my brothers would likely listen to me. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. This was Gideon's call. God sent an angel to him to call him. It's, you see, if God gives some of us this, we will not sleep again. We will not even think of the journey or the battle ahead. God sent an angel to come. <laughs> the next time we are preaching, that's what I got used to preach. God called me by an angel. Are you cool? You have not yet answered who you are. You see, when God wants to deal with some men, he calls them by angels. If he calls the team of a lot of things. But it didn't stop there. That night, immediately after the calling and Gideon accepted, he gave an offering. God accepted it. That same night, his consecration began. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Somebody should read that. It's about time. I want us to be done by a little. Someone should read Judges 6 25 to 27. Judges 6 25 to 27. Amen. Use the mic, please. And it came to pass that same night, the same night, 
that the Lord said unto him, Take a father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of bar that thy father had, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of its rock, in the order in the ordered place, and take the second block, and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the glove, with that which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Gideon that night, God spoke to him in the night. He answered in the night. He didn't wait till the day because of fear. But he did exactly, you see, somebody said he's the least in his father's house. His father is the, is the poorest. His family is the poorest among their people. Then you will take the thing you used to make money. The bullock is what they used to plow. If they don't plow, they will have to farm with their hands. And it seems there are only two. And you need two to put a yoke. Are we together? Are you understanding the picture? They need two, a, a pair of oxen to plow. God says you should take one. Making it impossible for them to plow without it and sacrifice it. And he should be the one that should, that should do it. But not just that, first of all, technically, she impoverished his family. Then he should go and desecrate the altar of the gods of the of his father and his people, the altar of Baal that his father has. It's his father that has the altar. But the people, he's afraid of the people. I don't understand. Who owns the God? Who is the one that paid to make the God and all that? It's Gideon's father. Why are the people of the land making him afraid? But Gideon went ahead and did all this, even though he feared the people, even though he was to impoverish his family, even though he didn't know what would happen next. He believed and the this was a step of consecration. Consecration breaks you free from your past and opens you up to your future. Until the veil, until you break through. You see, consecration is like an alabaster box. When you break it and the fragrance comes out, you cannot put it back. The alabaster box that they used to talk about that Mary broke, the woman that poured oil on Jesus, the uh, fragrance of Jesus, a spike knot, is like a wax. And they put the, the, the spike knot is so light, it's a very light oil. It's a mixture of two words, spike and nadus. Um, and it's it evaporates very easily. So they cannot afford, in those days they didn't have airtight containers like we have. 
So what they do is they seal the box. They seal it. So if you want to bring out the perfume, you have to break it. And once you break it, you can't seal it. If you keep it in that spirit, it will go away. So when you break it, you just break everything. And pour everything. When you break open your life, you, when God, when you yield to the breaking of the Holy Spirit for your consecration, you can't pack it together. If you allow the fragrance to flow, you will be a wonderful fragrance. Nobody will look at the broken aspect of your life, how God broke it. But if you don't allow the fragrance to flow, they will remember. There's nothing to see again apart from the broken person. Why is this one broken like this? There's no use. So the person is set aside. I don't know if you are getting the picture. Anyway, Gideon consecrated himself. Did you get that picture? When you are consecrated, you break through and you cannot really turn back. If you turn back, it brings shame. That's the simple way. It brings shame. Not because God wants you to be ashamed, but God never planned for you to come back. If you keep going forward, it brings what greater glory. Still on Gideon, the last part, faithfulness. In Judges chapter 7, after he made this consecration, there was no way for him to go back again. Now you have killed your father's glory. Now you have you have pulled down the altar of Baal. He had to just keep going forward. Technically, it was even the wisest thing to do. If he turned back, it will be foolish. Because it means he has wasted everything for nothing. He has not gotten God's reward, and he has not, and the people are angry with him. So he's, he's kind of in the middle, and there's really nothing like that. You will suffer the wrath of the people. And God will not protect you because you disobeyed or he disobeyed. So he went ahead. He was faithful to blow a trumpet to call his people. That was a further level of obedience. He said, when you blow a trumpet in those days, there are certain sounds that call for war. When he called for it, all the men gathered. Now, when you call men of war, you will answer them why you call them now. If he said at that point that he was not a, I was just joking, what will happen to him? They will deal with it. They will probably kill him. Because it means that he has taken, he has called, called for a false alarm in the land. War is not a, is not a light thing to play with. It's like a person, oh, it's like a person shouting fire, 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 fire in a multinational or in a factory that produces maybe like a million naira per, per, per minute. In shout, fire, 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 fire. They now shut down, and in such things, they have to shut down the organization. They are shut down processes, shut down the world, shut down the this. Meaning that in an hour, they lose almost 60 million naira. Oh, there are places like that, don't think that I'm just talking. Even more than that. 
when and once a fire procedure has started, they don't stop it. The drill, everybody's coming down. They are picking little things. The drill, the drill officer of every of every floor. There's usually a, a an employee who is responsible to be the drill person, the fire kind of fire marshal of that floor. Meet everybody. Follow this exit. The moment they are done with that, they say who called for the fire? And it's Mr. Obayandi. Where is the fire? He sacked. He will not spend another hour in that organization. So that was what Gideon did. He sent for messengers. That was the next level of his statement. After calling, he didn't just call those in, 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 in his, in his Abiezer rights. He called for the others. He obeyed God's filtering instruction. Okay, now you have gathered 32,000 people. You called, everybody came. They have come now, then you see the Shivukuri. Are you seeing the what being consecrated to God's plan, obedient to his plan, takes? God was not really consecrating him at this point. He was in faithfulness stage. The men that God wanted to use were in consecration stage. Are you seeing? God called all of them. He called Gideon first. The men that were going to fight with him, he, they were also called. And they needed to be consecrated also. So God first asked those of us, those of you that don't want to answer the call, how many are you? They raised up their hand. Not my hand. Not my hand. I have answered my hand. 22,000 went back. The remaining 10,000 passed through the mesh. 22,000 they want to pass through mesh. 10,000 say we will pass. And we are going to pass. But they hooked the mesh. Only 300 passed But it took Gideon's faithfulness to follow it. What of if the 22,000 said that, so what do you mean? A big man like this, I'm even bigger than you. You say I cannot go and fight. Or the remaining 9,700 were angry. Do you know what it means? My wife is in labor. I left that place. My this is that. I left that place. We must go to fight. I'll be my people. Yes. Solidarity forever. Gideon did not look at all that. He went ahead. He went down with only 300 men. It takes obedience, consecration, and faithfulness. But consecration is the hinge that opens one door to the other. He went ahead to fight the Midian. What is consecration? Consecration is the bridge between the crowd and the altar. Is the bridge between the crowd and the altar. The multitude are there. When God wants to select people and bring them to the altar, he tells them, climb this bridge of consecration. And it's not white bridge that I told me now in Lagos. 
is the road bridge, if possible. The one that you have to walk on two legs. Anyway, it depends. You may start with the one that has one leg. And it starts to reduce to the point where it's the one where you are looking up to God for you to get to the other side. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God told the Israelites, you see, this, this scripture, you can use certain scripture multiple times because they have multiple truths for different circumstances. He told the Israelites, this is my desire in Exodus 19. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words that ye shall speak unto the children of Levi. Did you see anything like these are the words you shall speak unto the children of Levi? Huh? Who were the priests? The Levites who were of the seed of Aaron were the priests. But that's not what God said. God said, we are talking about difference between the, the bridge between the crowd and the altar. Isn't it? God said, Ye, all of you, shall be a kingdom of priests and When we go down, they did not want to come near God, even after He had consecrated them to come near Him. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 20 to 20. Chapter 20, verse 21. Read Exodus chapter. Read Exodus chapter 19, verse 10 to 11, and Exodus chapter 20, verse 21. Let's see something there. And God said unto So God said, consecrate all the people. He didn't say consecrate the Levites. I want to talk to all the people. Consecrate all of the people. But the people said they don't want to come near God. God is too fearful. God is too loud. After this, God didn't ask them to consecrate themselves again like this for three days. You need to be priests to consecrate. It's only when he tells them to they want to go into they wanted to go into the promised land. He told them to what do you call it? Circumcise themselves. But for three days like this. You see, I believe that everybody should be able to do three days fasting. Here's another scripture I found. The multitude, not, I'm not talking about select. The multitude, every Christian should be able to do at least three days fasting. Convenient. Man, Nine, they did it for three days. When they were, Jesus fed them with 5,000, food for 5,000, they did it for three days. 
after three days, Jesus saw them and said, Ah, if I send these people, they will faint. Go and buy them food. So if anybody followed Jesus, and you know Jesus didn't tell them where he was going. They were following, 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 then he climbed into a mountain to separate the multitude from the disciples. And the disciples followed him. Then he now taught them for three days. So a minimum of three days is what God gave this people to concentrate them. So later, after they refused to come near God, God spoke to Aaron and his son, to Moses, and said, Bring them unto me to be my minister. What happened? Why did God, why does he look as if God changed his mind? They didn't come near. How can a priest not want to come near God? Does it make sense? A priest is called to be near God. To minister unto him. How can you minister to somebody from far? As a result, they failed in their consecration. Their consecration did not yield the expected result. When the Levites decided to come near, he enlisted them to be consecrated vessels. When the Levites Finally, said Moses said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let's look at that. Exodus chapter 32, verse 26 to 29. Exodus 32, 26 to 29. Hallelujah. And Moses stood in the middle of the camel, and said, Please, on the Lord's side, let him come with me and all the souls of them who gather themselves together. That was a decision to come near God. Moses was who is of the Lord's side. As a result, they chose consecration. And Moses told them, sorry, go ahead. On the Lord's side. Did they know that God would tell them to be their brother? Hey. After they came, God said, You are welcome. Hey, I take your soul. Go and start killing your brother. Is it that your neighbor that is from the tribe of Dan? And that you go and kill them for their idolatry. Did they turn back? No. They went and they killed their brother. To do what? To get a blessing. They may have killed the first person and their house that oh my God. Then you say be strong. God commanded. You see, when we read the Bible, it sounds like a story. Sometimes put yourself in the shoes of the people that obey what God said. It's dreadful. But you see, they needed to choose who they will obey. So somebody is there, he's too poor, drinking at the next thing. Cut his head off. They stab him, they do whatever they do. They are bloody. The blood of their brothers has splattered on their bodies. And when they get to Moses, Moses is telling them that they are blessed. 
let it sink. Concentration is a bloody business. It may not really need me to kill people. It's bloody against iniquity. It hates iniquity. Amen. But Jesus has restored the priesthood to all who will believe in him. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, for ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, who God has called out of darkness into his marvelous. Without consecration, you cannot come near to God or minister as a New Testament priest, even though you have been called. Even though you have been called, you cannot minister. You can't come here to go. Let's open Second Corinthians 7. such great promises. such great promises as this great promise. Let us turn away from everything we want, whether of body or spirit, or purify ourselves, living in all of we should purify ourselves of the filthiness of flesh or spirit. Both the flesh and the spirit, we're not focusing on that now, we'll get to that. But to do that, there has to be a concentration. This is talking about cleansing. Cleansing is a stage of concentration. Until you are cleansed, you can't come near God. If you read the verses above the second Corinthians of the 6 from verse 17 to 18, you see that the Lord says, Come near to me, come out of them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive And you will be my sons, and you will be my daughters. The purpose of concentration. So, from what we have looked at, we have seen what concentration means. We have seen examples. We have seen the picture of what it takes to be concentrated. You see, God will be speaking more things to you than I am saying. Because the word of God is spirit and life. He will be painting pictures to you. To help you understand how it applies to your life. If I may say now, consecration, there is general consecration, there is specific consecration. There are consecrations we need to do as Christians. But when it gets to a point, there are consecrations. God calls for in the life of each person. When a person is called to be the music minister, his consecration may not be the same as the person called to be a teacher. But you see that base general consecration, read your Bible, pray, evangelize, Everybody, love your neighbor. The things that make you beat as a Christian. 
But the main thing is that God may tell him, you must never listen to worldly music. You must never play worldly beats. You must never attend the worldly concerts, even if it's your best friend. And they're like, why are you doing this? I cannot even attend the concert. You cannot. That's when people start to give him free tickets. That's when they will begin to give him VIP tables. That's when they will tell him, you see, all I will need you to do is just call this song for us. Just help us. We know that you know this thing. Just help us look at it and tell us where it's from. Eh? We know you don't want money. We we'll give you money. So that God will not be angry. God is already angry. You should listen to me. Talk less of to help you edit it. He may be a sound producer and they say, please, please, just one of your beats. Just one. And any of your beats is okay. Give us the gospel beat. We'll use it like that. That's how good he is. Try it. Is the level of his. If he's a kingdom financier, God can tell him, you must never invest in a share that destroys the life of people. You see, ah, God, but the Nigerian bureau says, Martinana, you are not permitted to invest. When they tell you these things, sometimes it looks stupid to you. See, God is not talking to this person. This person is self righteous. It's a specific consecration. You are not meant to understand. It's not everything that is meant for everybody. In the church, in the Revelations, one of the seven churches, Jesus said, and whoever overcomes, I will give him a stone, a new stone, a white stone, and he needs written a new name, which no man knoweth except him that received it. Why did God say that? Are we not one body in Christ? Why should I not know his name? It's your business. God say he does not want you to know. So a person's consecration, specific consecration, may not is not your business. Face your own. Don't try to. If the person should sit down with scriptures, God will show him how it applies. It will still be scriptural. Whether you understand it or not, but sometimes don't wait till you understand whether it's believe. If you have been working with the Holy Spirit for a while, why not say you should not test all things? When you are tested and you know it's the Lord, begin to obey. There are a few more things that God has asked me to do in this last one year. And at first I was like, really? Why? But I needed to start taking steps. Steps. To stop it. Oh, once I certain kind of pictures, because I should not see. I'm not talking about sexual pictures. That one, they are said a long time ago. Pictures that you, you want to, ah, if you don't see it, it's not correct. See, no, you don't need to see it. It will spoil the eyes of your heart. It's okay, sir. I will be. 
it does not mean that I will do it for five years and I say, God, I've matured. You see, I don't want to. I've been now. It's permanent now. It's not permanent. It's only as it only gets better and is sustained as long as you maintain the concentration. It is the hinge from which you go in and you come out. God told Joshua the high priest. Zechariah chapter 3 verse And if you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then you will also judge my house, keep my courts, and I will give you access to them that stand nearby. God asked him to do two things. God told him he will give him three things. What does that mean? One, walk in my ways. Normal things. Keep my charge. Specific concentration. Walk in my ways. General. Keep my charge. A charge is a charge to a person. But what will God do for him? He will judge his house. Meaning he will have authority in God's house. He will not just be a floor member. He was high priest too. The Bible says, and the angel protested unto Joshua the high priest. God had just removed his filthy garments. There were things he was not consecrated. So he could not operate in the office of high priest. Satan was accusing him and, and stopping. And as a result, Israel was suffering. The nation could not enter her destiny, her prophetic destiny, because the high priest was not consecrated. So it's not a small thing. And you don't get to a level. When you get too big, the angel protested and said, Thus said the Lord, if you will walk in my place, if you will keep my charge, then you will also judge my house, you will keep my courts. God does not have only one court. Kings have courts, different courts. And in a court, there are different servants. The one that the Bible says very clearly is the court of grace. It says, let us therefore approach boldly the throne of grace. The throne is seated, is in the courses, and I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Sometimes God wants to teach something extra when he's teaching something. Look at Psalm 104 by yourself. If you think that God heaven is just one big room and God is standing at the far end of the corner with a truth, then the angels are lining in between, in between, in between. Different people are calling to what they've done. Then you have to file and pass like church where the altar is in front and the, the ushers are at the back. It's not like that. The court there, does it have this? Psalm 100 verse 4. Is it T or S? T. T. S. Even the holies of the, the, the tabernacle has three places. Outer court, inner court, Holies of grace. And in the temple, what do you see? There are rooms on the sides 
of the temple. And even David built, they gave the pattern that Solomon used to build the temple. Solomon didn't come up with the design. It was according. He said, and I received this pattern according in writing. So God was telling Joshua the high priest that he give him access into the different courts in heaven. You know another court that is in the Bible? When God was boasting about Job, what did God say? God said, and the sons of God came to present themselves before God. That was a meeting for the sons of God, a certain rank of angelic beings or heavenly beings, whichever one you want to call it. It's not in the common court. But there are people that enter these places that are still alive. I hope you know. Don't think that every Christian that you see, in fact, the ones that don't look like it, they are the most, they are the most dangerous people. Vex them. They will not be angry with you. It's God that will be angry with you for annoying them. They go there. They go for meeting. You see witches go for meeting. You don't know that Christians go for meeting too. Satan copies God. They go for meeting. Sometimes they will summon them. There is this meeting. And they will be caught up to heaven. They will meet, finish the meeting and they will come back. Then you see them on Sunday. Ah, Uncle Buddha, what if you have to sit down there? You are not eating the same type of food. But what took them there? Concentration. Let's not live too far. And I will give you access among those that stand nearby. God was saying there that these people, he will be able to talk, he will be able to move among those angelic beings, those saints, you hear of men of God having visitations. You hear of them being translated, coming back, meeting Enoch, meeting John, meeting access to those that stand nearby. A man of God reading the Bible one day, and he had read, 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 suddenly somebody entered this room. Did you say, Can I explain what you are reading? You are not wrong. And he knew he was having an apparition where somebody has appeared to him because his eyes were open. He had. He says, How do you know that's what he means? He said, I wrote it. So if he wrote it, the person that wrote it does he not know what the Holy Spirit was telling him when he was writing? Now, he's not just a human, he's, he's a spirit of just men made perfect. So he has more perfect understanding of why he wrote what he wrote. But we don't get to these places without concentration. The purpose of concentration. Why concentration? God is, a, God is holy. In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3, the angels will shout, Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty. The nearer you come to God, the holier you must be. The nearer you come to God, the holier you must be. All the servants must be holy, irrespective of their class or rank of creature. Whether you are a man or you are a 
the person is an angel, or is a cherubim, or is a seraphim, or is an orphanim, he must be holy. God loves us and he wants us to be near him. So you see, you have an issue. God loves us, he wants us to be near him. But even in this Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, he said that we may be holy and blameless before him in God. He's not going to bring us near him except we are holy. And consecration is the art of making holy, sanctification. But, oh, God is not just, it's not really because God just wants us to serve that he wants us to be holy. It's because he's holy. So, as much as you've been hearing me say vessel, 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 vessel. The number one thing is not vessel. Is that you may be a child like your father. You may be a son and a daughter of God. For the earliest creation of God awaited the manifestation of this. The eyes of God are too pure to behold iniquity, talkless of a sinful person to partake in his sense. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, his eyes, his eyes are, are purer than to behold him. So when God looks at evil, ah, he has already decided what he's going to do. He hates it. And he will turn his eyes away from such evil. Man is of a sinful root in the first Adam. So you have the holiness of God, then you have the fact that man came from a sinful root. So you have the conflict. God has to purge man's sinfulness for man to be suitable for service or to even come close for anything. Since sin is enmity against God, concentration is necessary. And every root of and fruit of sin needs to be purged. Both the nature and the substance of sin, the effect. It's not just Jesus has died on the cross of Calvary for me. My body of sin is crucified through baptism. It's not enough. That's the gateway for you to be wholly purged. Your spirit is cleansed. But your soul and your spirit still have a lot of work to do. Effects of sin. Effects of sin. Since man is spirit, soul, and body, sin, the effects of sin affects every aspect of man. And if God is going to be able to use that man, because the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then God needs to cleanse every aspect of that temple. The temple has the outer court, inner court, most holy place. You don't hear the most holy place temple. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like outer court temple. The temple is three, one. So your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's the one that houses the fullness of God's presence. Both the outer court, the inner court. We'll talk about that one tomorrow. So why consecration? One, our spirit. You must look at it in all the three areas. So that you don't wonder why God is taking you through certain things. And I say, God, why me? 
sin causes the spirit death. Galatians 2, no, Genesis 2, 17. God told Adam, he said, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. The spirit died. By God saying you, and Adam's physical body did not die. It means that the you, the seat of his personality is not his body. The seat of his personality is in his spirit. It's spiritual. Because that's where his life goes from. And God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. The spirit did not cease to exist. Adam's spirit did not cease to exist. It just, it just ceased to live. It ceased to live in Christ. It ceased to live in God. Why? Because life is in God. So, though it existed, since it existed outside life, God, it existed outside life, life. And because it existed outside life, it existed outside light. So, it was in darkness. Isaiah said, he said that if they do not accept the things that I see, it's because there is no light in them. John chapter 1 verse 4 says, and is, in him is life, and that life is the light of men. That light, that light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehended it. So you see, in their spirit, their spirit became dark. God needs to consecrate the spirit for light and life to come back into it. Because of this lack of light, because the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. It means that every single thing that we need to operate as a spirit being is in light. And if a person is out of light, then he cannot operate. He's dead. He can't get anything out of God. And if a person says he's in light and still walks in darkness, he lies and does not believe. First John 1 says. So you see, that you come into Christ does not mean that you stay and just, oh, it's a one transaction. I've made the transfer. It keeps on working. No, 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 no. You stay in light. And if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Sin brings darkness back into the spirit. That's why 2 Corinthians 7 1 told us that we should cleanse ourselves of every field of flesh. Or spirit. When you give your life to Christ, your spirit is pure, it's recreated. The blood of Jesus cleanses it, it's perfect. It seldom is stained, your spirit. But it can the Bible tells us if it says you should cleanse your spirit, then it means it can be stained. And what is responsible for the cleansing and the sanctification of the spirit? It's the blood. It's Jesus. Jesus is. So, 
sin caused the soul to be depraved. So you see, you see the spirit, why God needs to consecrate, why we need consecration for the spirit. Now we're looking at why we need consecration for the soul. And remember that these three work hand in hand. God is not going to say, ah, this person has a consecrated spirit, a depraved soul, and a consecrated body. I'll use it. No, it doesn't work that way. Since the spirit was dead, the flesh began to rule. And once the flesh began to rule, his soul, which is the battleground of the flesh and the spirit, became under the authority of the flesh. And the soul, which has intellect, emotions, and will, became the battleground of Satan. It became not even battleground. It became the weak point of Satan. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us, he said, and God saw that the imaginations of man's heart was constantly evil. No, I think this one says that God repented that he made man. Genesis 6 5. Sorry. He's not talking about spirit here. Adam had already seen, God had already said he was dead. Oh Lord Jesus. Yes, and God saw that, that the wickedness of man in the, was great in the earth, and that the imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Of the thoughts of his heart. The thoughts, the intellect became depraved. Thinking and imagination were not aligned with God. But went in the opposite extreme, not just opposite, but the extreme. That God could not tolerate any of them. He couldn't. God said that if Sodom had ten righteous, he would spare the land. There was not even anybody to argue that God should not destroy the earth. It was a done deal. And even Noah that they were eight, they were even more than, they were more than Lot and his family. God had to build an ark for them. God was determined to destroy the earth, but Noah found favor. I don't know, maybe they, they had not had the revelation of intercession by that time. I won't say. It was their thoughts that were depraved. As a result of sin, their emotions, their desires were evil. They were always desiring evil. God needs to concentrate our emotions on you. That we don't, we don't feel things the wrong way. We don't desire things the wrong way. The will, their decisions. You see, the thoughts. At the gate, at the, the road to the decisions, but they don't make the decisions. It's when the thoughts are fully born that the decision comes forth. Even their decisions were evil. They could not make decisions with this. They lost access to the tree of life. Now, this is body. They lost access to the tree of life. And God 
wounds. That's why God needs to be concentrated. He is the source of life. Finally, we will have the opportunity to eat of the tree of life as of our coming. When we are finished the process, see, God is not ready to risk this tree of life with anybody. It's so serious that there is something about the tree of life that even a person that is depraved is still here. That's how powerful the fruit of the tree of life is. That a person that is supposed to die, his body will become revitalized. His body will be, will be healthy. His body will not be weak. Imagine such a wicked person. Yes. All these wicked kidnappers, ritual killers, they should now be more healthy than everybody. The world will be, will be gone. So God closed the road to the tree of life. So nobody is going to taste of this tree. Until I'm sure I have purified, I have filtered, I have brought out the perfect people who will carry the nature of life, not evil and life. I'm not saying that the tree of life would have given them spiritual life. No. That 930 that dad and died, you will not have died. It would have been the flood that had to kill it. Probably the flood may never be able to kill itself. I don't know how powerful it is. So God just closed the door to it. And as a result of the loss of access to the tree of life, physical death setting. It's setting in form of infirmities. Infirmities are weaknesses of flesh and of spirit. And of um, soul. Our spirit necessarily does not have is a so it is but we do not know how to pray. Neither do we know what to pray. But it helps our infirmities. Aside that there are also weaknesses, limitations in the body. Samson's body by the spirit of God was able to carry a whole gate on his on his back. The body is not different. Certain people that have had certain information, let's not go into extra biblical accounts. Anyway, there are Christian experiences. There are people's testimonies of people that have visitations. That Samson was not a big person. It was, was just like us. Yet his body could carry. Have you ever thought how the demon of Gadara, the man of the of Gadara, was breaking metal with his hand? Did they say that his bones were broken? That he could run? It's the same body. Our bodies have infirmities as a result of sin that God needs to uproot. The name the Queen said, when God wanted you to move into the next level, God asked him, do you want to go further? You see, he didn't even know that there was anything further at that point. He thought, I've been a successful preacher, I've been a missionary, which in different places in the world have done this. So when he thought about it, he came back and told God, okay, yes, God told him two things. God says, you only go further by faith, and two, you are getting too fast. God's strength is named down. And he was shocked. But God was serious. He was putting on too much weight. And after that, he was ministering till the 70 and I think 80s. He was around 60 or so, or 50, when God told him this. Infirmities. The Spirit of God needs to strengthen our bodies, 
Anyway, let's not go there yet, but these are things God needs to remove from our body. Weaknesses for us to be able to do the things God wants. Increased physical abilities of our brains, of our eyes, of our legs. Moses' eyes were not dim at 120. For them to put it there, then it was not a normal feat. He was climbing mountains. He was fit. And yes, the glory of Moses' life, time, is not the same glory that we carry now, according to what the Word of God, the word of God says. And it's the truth. But why have we not tapped into this concentration? God needs to remove sicknesses, hereditary diseases, and all the causes that are fighting a lot of us. Hidden weaknesses in our DNA and the rest that are trying to limit us from fulfilling God's plan and death itself. And lastly, God cannot use us easily except His limitations have been removed. You see, God does not remove them all at once. When we begin to approach unto Him, He starts to remove them. He will not bequeath any treasure of light to us without consent. Treasure of light. Because he's the father of lights. You know, there's no variableness of shadow of coming. Once we are consecrated, then we begin this journey. It happens at it happens at salvation, but it does not end there. We believe into Christ. You see, the part of the righteousness that the part of like the fullness of God, brightness of God, that shines brighter and brighter. You are supposed to be moving into Christ, shine brighter than the sun. You keep on moving into Him as you believe into Him. You are moving, and you see, every sun produces heat. The more you go into Him, the more the heat burns. And burns, it doesn't burn you per se, it burns the chaff in your life, it burns the nonsense in your life, and you feel the pain. But the farther you go, the lighter you become, the more like him you do. The Bible tells us even angels are not pure before him. Let's look at Job 15 15. Job 15 15. Then he boasted, No, he's gone. There's a part that says he's fully one. Oh, that's what your version saying is saying. Some saying he's fully one. He does not boast in his sin. He's not talking about us. Because these people did not have a revelation at that time of Christ's blood. When they were talking to Job. They were talking about his holy angels. Who are saintly. God boasts in our own righteousness because Jesus is our righteousness. So we are enough. But they, they are not enough. But you see, God needs to move that righteousness from our spirits into our souls and into our bodies. For it is God who work out the salvation of the ancient. For it is God who works in you. What God has worked in you as imputed righteousness, you are asked to work out. So you are going to begin to talk to God now.